and begin. Hey everyone, I'm Alex. I'm here with my husband Shane. Baby Lou is in bed. We are not at home to put the cat in a room. And we are so glad that you could join us for happy hour on this Family Street Podcast, episode 21. So where are we right now, Alex? (laughs) We are sitting in... The freezing cold. It's actually, uh, we have inclement weather called for tonight, and we are sitting outside on a porch in Prince Edward County at the Drake Motor Inn. And we are outside because uh, we are room sharing with Lucy. And she's inside. It's bedtime. So we've been forced outside like street people. But I have, uh, you might have just heard a a beer opening, and I'm going to open your, uh, what is this called? Imitation beer? Non-alcoholic beer. There you go. Thank you so much. Cheers. Cheers, dear. And it is really cold out. And th- this is a, I'm not sure how many people listening are from Ontario, but in Ontario, this is a freezing rain warning. In fact, we're getting more rain in one day than is typically set for the entire month of January. And this rain supposedly is going to freeze over tomorrow, making traffic very dangerous. And we're hoping that it doesn't freeze until later in the evening, which uh, right now that is... Or early in the morning and then thaws by the time we hit the road. Yeah. Um, but if it does freeze, we're going to have to find somewhere cheaper to hole up for tomorrow night. Um, have an emergency stay over and yeah. then we'll, we'll both not be able to go to work on Monday. It's kind of exciting though in a weird it's, way. You know what? They gave us flashlights at the front desk tonight just in case power goes out because um, they're possibly expecting ice to be falling, you know, forming on trees and possibly knocking over power lines. So... We were given a flashlight, and it sounds kind of fun. And I just saw the movie Goonies. I do another podcast called The <laughs> Pedestal, where we review films. And it kind of has a total adventure vibe out here. It's very foggy. It seems like something crazy is going to go down, and we're going to have to either help someone, solve a mystery, <laughs> uh, I don't know, it's, or be murdered or something. It, it seems like a mystery-solving night. Uh, you could hear the waves crashing right now. We're on Lake Ontario. It feels like an ocean out here. It does. It sounds like an ocean. It feels like an ocean. It smells like one. Um, And it definitely does feel like we're going to be solving a murder mystery. The streets are dead. Nobody comes. So we're in a town called Wellington in a little peninsula called Prince Edward County. Nobody comes here this time of year. In fact, it is so dead that part of the reason we came up in the first place was to go to this insane Mexican restaurant that we absolutely love. And they're just closed for the month because it's so dead. <laughs> yeah, we didn't know when we booked it that all of our favorite things would be closed. There was this piano bar up here that I was like, well, so well great. at least we have the Mexican place and the piano bar. Mexican place, closed for the month. A piano bar, closed forever. This and other little breakfast nook called uh, Enid, Enid Grace. Grace. Just boarded up, closed forever. <laughs> and they were so successful. You had to wait outside in a lineup. They only had like five tables. And you'd have to wait in a one-hour lineup just to get a table. And it was worth it. And they're closed forever. And it, they were so successful. So a lot of people would say, we are complete idiots for coming out here at this time. A and lot of people what would say you say to them, idiots. Alex? I would say, hey, guys. We're not the idiots sitting out here in minus 10 recording podcasts. <laughs> uh, you're the idiots for going when it is so crowded. But you know, we are having the best time ever. It has been so relaxing. Shane and I often talk. Because we are outside, uh, you will have the odd car going by, driving kids home from hockey. That's about the only action this town is seeing right now. But um, in the summers up here, it is a tourist 
hotspot. Like, it's crazy. People come from Toronto and Montreal. Like, they flock here uh, to hit up some really trendy restaurants, beautiful beaches. But it's it's mostly just really trendy here. Yes, um, it's, it's almost, it's so trendy. It's It's attracted a lot of hipsters where it's embarrassing to say you're going to the Drake or Drake Devonshire. Yeah. Because it's... It's like being in high school and saying your favorite band is Blink-182. It's nothing's punk about it. It's everyone's favorite band. It's not cool. So that's the way the Drake is. But it is the best hotel I've ever been to, I think, in my life. It is. They treat you like gold. And part of the reason we love... Part of the reason we love coming right now uh, in the off-season, maybe not January in the future, but part of the reason why I like coming in the off-season is because this hotel treats you like gold 12 months a year. But... If you come when you're one of the only guests at the hotel, you are like the king and queen of Siam. You're platinum. It's incredible. <laughs> it's truly incredible. We have the run of the house. Lucy was swimming on the floor of the restaurant earlier tonight. And it's like a high class, very expensive restaurant where this would not be permitted in the summer. We'd probably get kicked out. Um, but it, it, it is incredible. And uh, there are some game rooms. So we are in... A new addition to the Drake Devonshire Hotel. We're in the Drake Motor Inn. Uh, and it's done up to look like an old, like, 1960 drive-in. Is that... Like a, a, an old motel. Yeah. But it's actually somehow better than the Drake Devonshire, which is an award-winning hotel. Uh, it won an award for best hotel design in North America. Yes. I believe I'm probably getting that completely but I wrong. actually think you're wrong because I actually think it was the world. I, I think it was a global oh, okay. thing. But and they have one. It, I think it, there's like 14 rooms in the entire place. But one room is absolutely Stunning. breathtakingly amazing. It's called the owner suite. It's very expensive, but that is like the creme de la creme. The other rooms are pretty good. They're all better, way better than decent. But at the Motor Inn, I think 90% of the rooms are better than any of the room at the Drake Devon show. They're somehow way more comfortable. You have a little more space, which is great when you're traveling with a kid. Uh, they had a pack and play for us, which again, saves on what we have to bring. Um, but there's so much more room, like space, and it just seems comfier. Like our bed seems comfier. Even the house robes they give you seem cozier. And it's cheaper. But this is all terribly boring for anyone not well it's a good promo area. i guess for the hotel <laughs> even though they they're not asking us or paying us or probably even know that we're promoting it but something that is interesting um like they are as you were saying so nice treat you like gold but we're recording this podcast about half an hour later than we suspected yes. so we had an eight thirty dining reservation i called to make it nine and there was a there was a bit of a hesitation it's a very nice like british gentleman and he's like oh Okay, yeah, that's fine, you know. Uh, but uh, just letting you know, that will be the last. Uh, the kitchen closes. I go, oh, when does it close? Like, he was just weird. He just said the kitchen closes. I'm like, I, I know that the kitchen closes, but but when? Right. It's like, well, as soon as you've ordered. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm like, why is that? He's like, to get everyone out, the freezing rain. He's like, we're, you know, we're trying to get everyone out. I'm like, I am sorry. We will be there as soon as possible. So if this podcast seems truncated or rushed in any way, it's us trying to be polite to the Drake Devonshire. I have to say that is very funny because the entire staff lives 10 feet away 
from the kitchen. Like the kitchen staff lives ten. But you feet don't away. know that. Maybe some don't. I've maybe been watching some have them a drive. go in and out all night. But maybe it's so dead too because of that rain that they don't want to make it worth their while. Right. And remember, before we had we we went half an hour ago or to feed Lucy to feed Lucy. So just to give you a time reference three hours before we're planning on eating dinner and he's like oh by the way for your reservation you can probably even come earlier but i was like i know there's something really going on this isn't just a by the way this is a nice thing for you it's always for the staff and what i do want to point out just because uh even if you are not from ontario you will never come here i think it is just interesting to talk about this hotel and everything surrounding it but uh it is very much like a cult well, they love where they work, and it must be a great place to work. It must be. Mm-hmm. They, they truly love it. Mm-hmm. Until the Kool-Aid hits. It's true. Um, anyhow, my dear, uh, do you want to get to a couple listener questions? Oh, we're doing that. Okay. Uh, because we're not going to a caller? No, we're going to go to the caller uh, in 10 minutes. Okay. So uh, let's start with a couple listener questions, and then we will move on to a caller. Sounds good. Who is it, some sort of fertility person? She has uh, been through the process of getting her fertility te- uh, tested. So you went through getting your sperm tested and talked about the process of that. And then on that podcast, we were like, I had nothing to say about the female experience because I haven't been through it. Uh, and she's going to come on and kind of educate me about what she had to go through. So our first question, what do you fight about the most? I think we fight the most about communication, how we're communicating, because I don't find that we're having, and Shane might have something different to say, but I don't find that we have the same fights over and over, but that they always happen the same way. And it's when there's some kind of miscommunication or one person thinks the other person is talking rudely and then that person reacts rudely and then it just kind of wells up to be a problem that was never there initially. What do you think? Yeah, I'm a bit of a stickler for time. I don't like being late. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not the best with time management. So that will rub me the wrong way. I'm also, like, I don't want to be rude to women, but I, like, I'm not using this as, like, I would call a woman this, but I'm kind of a little bitch with, like, <laughs> with, like, like, you know, you, you rub me mildly the wrong way, and I'll be like, why'd you do that? And it's just, that's an annoying. You're catty. You can say caddy. Caddy. I'm caddy in that way. So there is a lot of little arguments, but I don't even really consider them arguments. They're just me being like, like we were just at the restaurant and I was about to tell the waiter to, the waitress actually, to pack up the pasta for Lucy and pack up her milk. In the middle of me telling the waitress that, Alex cut me off and finished my sentence Mm. for me, but did not ask for the bill. So this crosses two of my Venn diagrams for things that annoy me. Me being cut off when I'm talking because I have this idea in my head that every uh, waiter or waitress thinks that the dad is the dumb dad who knows nothing how to take care of the kid or what needs to be packed up. And my other thing is time management which is i want to get the bill as soon as possible so alex cut me <laughs> off like oh he doesn't know i'll tell you how i to. didn't no but that's what i'm telling you what's going yeah, on in no, my I mind know, i know and then you didn't ask for the bill so when you were uh, when we were walking out of the restaurant i could have just let it go but instead i bring it up and what i was actually planning on doing was saving it for the podcast oh Oh, that is a good. What do you mean? Sorry. No, because no, it I, is a good because sometimes these questions come up. Like, what I do know. we argue about? Well, it is a good opportunity to talk about things too. On a on a major scale, we do get caught up in the cliche conversation of 
who's doing more. Yeah. So I'm taking the like, I'm working the hardest for the family. And you're like, well, I'm spending all the time with Lucy and you're never around. So yeah. we, we, we try not to get into that rigmarole or whatever the word is. for us and for like anybody else um, that, you know, has one spouse that works more than the other outside of the home, it's hard to know just what the other person is doing throughout their day and you know you get snippets when they're on breaks when you're on lunch and you know you might call like Shane and I always call each other on lunch break um and it's like we're all exhausted by the end of the day every single person's exhausted by the end of the day and I just think it's always hard no matter what your situation is to put yourself in your partner's shoes and to kind of see what they went through what they had to deal with and compare with your own because you only have your own experience. Yeah, we've talked about this before. Yeah. Everyone thinks they're working the hardest. They only see their plight. They think that they they have a total right to say that they're doing mm-hmm. the other thing better. But they're just asking what we argue about. That's one of the things. Well, I will say something that I held in today to say for the podcast. Hit it. This little hotel room that is our home for two days, two nights. Uh, and hey, I am no saint of cleanliness i will say that right now i'll say it loud i am a messy untidy person mm-hmm. however i have picked up so many discarded towels underwear shirts whatever you have taken off or used off the floor and tried to put them back in their spots coats i never even hang up coats at home i've been trying to hang up coats every time we come in here i honestly did all that to make you comfortable we just came back from- <laughs> <laughs> Truly, because first, what did I do the first, the second, the second we got to Orlando in our room, what did I do? What was the first thing You I put did? away your clothes. I put all my clothes away, hung them up. I'm like, oh, I can't wait to see her follow suit. You just leave all the stuff <laughs> just pi- piling up. I'm like, she'll get to it when I she gets. I left them in the suitcases. When, when she gets to it. And then it was just a mess, horrible <laughs> disorganized. I was like, I guess this is the way she rolls. So on this trip, let's face it, I'm wearing one outfit this entire trip. I haven't changed my pants. My underwear are the size of a, a tennis ball. Well, they were still on the floor. All I'm saying. Okay. And towels when you're in a hotel. I'm sorry, but you just whip those suckers around and ask the maid <laughs> to get you new ones. Except we didn't have the maid come in today because Lucy but was we napping. we had four very big towels. We don't need the maid. We're only here for two nights. Who cares? Let's live a little bit. I'm surprised well, they didn't make more of a mess. Babe, I would say I was trying to follow your Florida suit. I noticed Albeit that. A little we, too just, late. we just didn't connect. I was like, I actually like this version of Alex, but I have two garments. Underwear I change every day. <laughs> I'm wearing the same shirt, and I'm wearing the same pants that I've worn for the last two weeks because my jeans are ruined, and I only yes. have two pairs of pants right now. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear. But, yeah, I'm sorry I'm being so messy, Alex. You're disgusting. Right. Anything else to air here? <laughs> no. No. Do you? No, let's get a, do another question. All right. If you could outsource one household chore, what would it be? Oh, come on, Al. We both know what you're going to say. Laundry. Yeah, of course. Hate laundry. It's the worst. And you know, it's not even the sticking in the washing machine and dryer because I like that part. Well, the it, washing machine <laughs> does everything for that part. Well, exactly. And it's kind of nice to put it in and see it dirty and then take it out of the dryer dry mm-hmm. and clean. It's nice. Um, but the folding and then the putting away... Or hanging up yeah. is dreadful. It's dreadful. And it does take seven days. I mean, after coming home from Florida, it took us two days to do all the loads of laundry we had. Like from Florida and from prior to leaving to Florida. Uh, and then they sat in a pile on the dining room table for a day. And then the next day, I was able to get them folded. 
the following day I was able to get Lucy's stuff and the towels put away and then the following day I was able to get your clothes and my clothes put away so that took what a full five days yes it did and that's yeah that's pretty much how it happens every week or we just bring them up to our room and they sit folded in the bins we brought them up in until they're dirty again yeah so I agree laundry just because it's always in the way it creates such a it's so visually unpleasant to look at. It's embarrassing when people come over and there's stuff everywhere. Not that we have people drop by that often, but if your mom comes by, you're comfortable with your mom yeah. seeing the house in a state of disarray. I'm not comfortable with your mom because, yeah. you know, it's like I'm sure if my mom comes over and she sees the house messy, in your mind you're thinking, she thinks I'm a bad <laughs> house. But when your mom comes over and she sees the house messy, I'm thinking, she thinks I'm a bum, just a lazy bum. I always think that when the other person's parent comes over. It's it's hard, but uh, my parents, like, one of them drops over every single day. And um, they know, like, you're at work till 8.30. When you get home, we eat dinner and go to bed. And until 7.30, I'm with Lucy and putting her to bed and everything. And it's so hard. It's so hard to find the time. But even, it's funny, even when they come home, or, like, sometimes on Sunday they'll come in and I'm editing the podcast, they probably think I'm, I'm just... <laughs> I'm just never around Lucy or something. <laughs> because but they yeah. always come in at the weird times when I'm not feeling like I'm representing how I truly am. It is funny. Yeah, Shane uh, does use Sunday as his editing day. And they do for some reason. I don't know if they go to the gym and come over, but it seems to be a bit of a habit. And I must apologize, guys. I am uh, getting quite sick. So I, I have the sniffles, a bad throat, which I'm sure is only going to get better with us sitting outside. So the next question, the last question until we get to our caller raising a bilingual kid so this was submitted by a listener um so we are not raising a bilingual child in the true sense shane and i only speak english i can do a mismatch a mishmash of spanish and say you know vocabulary words that i learned in grade four in french so lucy isn't being raised bilingual she is learning uh, mostly Spanish and some French at her daycare because the proprietor of the daycare, uh, her and her sister, are Honduran woman, women, and uh, they both also speak French as they initially moved to Montreal from Honduras, and their entire family is French-speaking in Montreal. So she's learning there. I would love to be able to have somebody to practice Spanish with. Uh, so my dream is that Lucy, you know, picks them up at daycare and then we can continue on and she can, you know, would have an interest in it and would want to take it throughout school. Uh, I have a cousin who has raised three truly bilingual children. Uh, she lives in Quebec. So if you're not from Canada, Quebec is um, a province which speaks almost entirely French. So my cousin, who's an English speaker, has raised her kids. She spoke to her kids from the time they were born only in English and her husband spoke to them only in French so the kids grew up knowing two words for absolutely everything and it was second nature and they were able to pick it up incredibly well like it impresses me so much Shane to hear these kids just say a sentence and they'll kind of like turn their they'll start off in English to their mom they'll turn it you know direct it to their father and switch to French halfway through it's incredible to see people's brains working that quickly and that fluidly, uh, but it's amazing. I just think there's going to be a, there already is that Google Translate thing and it's going to be so advanced that you won't even need it. But it's so much more fun just to know. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's too much. It, the juice ain't worth the squeeze for me. 
But you're not a languages guy. No, and I'm also not a numbers guy. And people told me, well, what, are you going to carry a calculator in your pocket all the time? <laughs> and now with our iPhones, yes, we do. So I never had to do that. I'm not a directions person either. And now I just use iPhone maps for everything. So I don't have an aptitude for languages or directions or numbers. I'm very, without technology, I would be very lost in this world. And I do mean that literally. So what do we do in an apocalyptic situation? What is your role in the reemerging society? I don't need to reemerge in society. If things are getting that bad, I just jump to the zombies and say, <laughs> "You give yourself bite me up? to death." Why not? Who, if things are that bad, do I really want to live in a? Like I'm sure instinctually, my what if what if Lucy and I were still alive and we had the opportunity to live together? I'd say, Lucy, come with Daddy and let's go die. <laughs> so now I have to find a new husband post apocalypse. Oh, come die with the family. Ooh, Why would you not would, die with the family? It would be an emotional thing. If the family was dying without me, I wouldn't know how to handle that. Yeah, That's we all a, die together. To the zombies, though, there's got to be a better way. Zombies would be the funnest way because you kind of are immortal, if I understand zombies correctly. No, well, the zombies, if they just go at us. Then yeah, you're not the same, I don't think. I think we just get bit and then we're immortal zombie. Yeah. But uh, if they eat us, like they eat our brains and we're gonzo. <coughs> oh, I didn't know there was two options. Yeah. I think, as far as my zombie knowledge. Do we do that caller now? Let's do that. <laughs> Hello? Heather. Yes. This is Alex and Shane from This Family Tree Podcast. Thank you so much for taking our call tonight. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for calling. Yeah, so after our last podcast where Shane talked about uh, getting sperm tested and the process of you know checking male fertility, you had messaged me and said that you went through the process yourself. Obviously not getting sperm tested, but getting <laughs> no. eggs tested. Uh, and yeah. I have no idea what is involved in that process. All I know is that it does seem more invasive. Uh, so I just Yes, and not, not as enjoyable as the male uh, <laughs> fertility testing is. Can I just ask right off the bat, what made you even want to get tested? So we had been trying to get pregnant. Um, and then we were referred to a fertility clinic. And the beginning process is to be tested. Right. Okay. Just to kind of check how if there's something that they can determine is actually blocking the process. Right. And what was the process? Like, how is it more invasive than with men? I have no idea. Yeah. So um, for my fertility testing, it consisted of um, monitoring my cycle from day three until the day I ovulated. Um, and by monitoring, they uh, look at your hormone levels, your uterine wall, and your egg development. So essentially, it starts on day three. Um, so day one would be when you have full flow um, mm -hmm. of your period. So uh, on day three, I went in for my first appointment, which consisted of blood work um, and internal vaginal ultrasound. And then I met with the nurse afterwards to discuss the results. And what do they look at when they're doing that ultrasound? Like, can they look at your eggs in the sacks? Is, like, so what they from what? At? Yeah, so I'm... Like, I'm just trying to go off memory. I have yeah, no yeah, like, medical <laughs> professional anyway. Um, but they look at how the follicles are growing. Um, and then when they hit a certain measurement, they will release out of your egg and then travel through the tube down to hopefully meet the sperm. Right. So they're looking to see how many um, follicles are growing that might hit to the point of egg. Okay. And that's when the egg will So they, they shoot can actually out. see the follicles like through the transvaginal ultrasound. That's crazy. Yeah, and they're also looking at your uterine wall, so how thick it's getting, because that's what, so if you were to fertilize an egg, 
the egg attaches to the wall. Um, so sometimes if the wall is not thick enough, the egg will just come right down, like won't connect. Did you test your husband's sperm before that you did your test just to get like maybe the easier test over with? So if you do have a partner, um, you do this at the same time. So while I'm going through my day three to ovulation uh, monitoring, he also in that time period would give a collection. Right. Okay. So they kind of, because we were a partnership trying, um, they do it consecutively. And then after all of my testing and his testing were done, we met and they gave us the results for both. Okay. So then um, after they determine you know, uh, your follicle growth and your uterine wall lining, then what's the next step going from there? Yeah, so from day three, so you do this style of appointment, so the blood work and internal ultrasound and then meeting the nurse. I did that appointment every other day for about 10 days because they're watching it grow. Yeah, and then at day 10, as you're getting closer to ovulating, you're doing it every day because they want to be able to catch when the egg will be released. Wow, so, okay, do these take place in a hospital or a fertility clinic? It was in a fertility clinic. Okay. So, and how long so, are these appointments? Like, this is, and I, I mean, I understand why um, people do this. Like, my, my friend went through this, uh, and she just had her baby this morning. Um, oh, exciting. Yeah. But, you know, and, and obviously there's such a desire, but that that is a lot of time. So, how long do these appointments last? So, I have to say, the clinic we went to, it was like a well-oiled machine. Like, you walked in, got your blood work, you sat down, you went to get your ultrasound. Like, it was very... Amazing. Uh, yeah like they always talk about how Disneyland is so like well-oiled machine like it I literally felt like I was going through um like a car factory okay so but in a good way right like they were very patient patient centered um I would say each appointment was maybe 20 minutes like they were quick they they did get you in and out it took me longer to get there and back than it did to actually have the appointment so then when do they give you result like when do they have a good idea of how fertile or not fertile yeah, you so, are. So after, like within, um, so not only are you doing the blood work and the internal vaginal ultrasound, they also do something called a sonohistogram. Okay. Uh, I had to write that in phonetics so that I could pronounce <laughs> it properly. Um, and that's in between day six and 12 of my cycle. Um, and what they would do, this one's a bit more invasive. And at the time it was the most painful, but so spoiler alert, we had a baby. It was more oh, painful to give, it was more painful to give birth than this. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, what this uh, sonal histogram is, is they inject saline solution into your uterus. Oh, and so it pretty much just gives you a really long, uh, like menstrual cramp. Um, oh, and the purpose God. of that is just, the purpose of that is to check the shape of your uterus and just to make sure your fallopian tubes are open. How long does that cramp last? It was probably about two minutes. Like it was oh, okay. long enough for them to shoot it up and then to kind of see if the saline solution will come back. And are you just screaming out. your head off while this is going on or are you just keep it inside? <laughs> I, I can get pretty uncomfortable. Like I'm trying to make jokes usually when I'm doing things right. like this, like when I was going through this. Um, yeah, it wasn't great. But like I said, giving birth was a lot harder. Yeah, so that's that's and that, tough. that was my joke. I was like, I'm here to try to have a baby. So if it's going to be painful, this <laughs> Well, like, I just think of how transvaginal ultrasounds are uncomfortable already. Like, anytime I've gotten them, I find them very uncomfortable. And it's not because of where it's happening. It's just, like, it's painful to me. Um, Yeah. I had a catheter put in when I was pregnant with Lou because I wasn't able to pee for, like, 72 hours. And that was so painful. Like, and that's so what they painful. put in to inject the solution oh is a catheter. God. That's the worst. Yeah. I hate it. That was one of the most uncomfortable experiences of my life. I hated that catheter. And you're yeah. so much more so, 
like when you're giving birth, at least you have, you know, all these hormones and adrenaline and oxytocin getting released. So you're excited. But with these things, it's just, you kind of dread them. Yeah. Yeah. And it, like the clinic was great. It was a teaching clinic, but I found by day seven when they were like, do you mind if this student comes? I'm like, you know what? The more the merrier. Like I am here every other day <laughs> just getting these ultrasounds. Like I've lost my dignity at this point. So, <laughs> well, that's um, so, yeah. so, so then it's after all of that, that yeah. they're able to kind of. Yeah. So essentially after that, um, it's on Instagram and you get to the point where you're going every day for blood work and the ultrasounds. Um, once your blood work comes back that you have ovulated, that's your last appointment. And they call just to let you know that um, if you're trying to get pregnant, this is a good time to uh, do that act. Right. Um, and then about four to six weeks after my cycle um, monitoring was completed, they called us back in to let us know um, the overall results and kind of what the recommendations were for next steps. I'm uh, such an open book, so I tend to ask questions that I would feel comfortable answering, but don't answer this if you don't want to, obviously. But oh, no, it's okay. Wh whose um, results were higher? Like, who was the air quote problem in, the, in this situation? Yes, and so I always try to be careful with my language because I don't want it to seem like a problem. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it's obviously but it not is a one problem, of those things. an issue, right? Yeah, it's obviously one of those things where something's happening, so mm -hmm. there is an issue um but yeah it was my husband's collections result that came back a bit lower than normal um and in the grand scheme of issues to have that would be the better issue to have versus yeah. like there's so much more involved as the female right. um so we were lucky that like um i know in the last podcast you talked about how you know you had super super sperm you thought yeah that's what um, people are calling it especially yeah me, well yeah. my results you know to toot my own horn my results came back pretty super You're the um, wow. like yeah so like i usually most women only will um produce one egg and i produce two so Ooh. <laughs> wow. um but no yeah so we were lucky in the sense that um i was in the clear and it was just more so um on the male side that there was a bit of not abnormal but just not um the levels that are uh, easy, easy to get pregnant. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. Yes. It's like 80% of the time it's thought to be the woman, but 50% of the time it's the man. Yeah. And all these problems. So I thought and that I think, was interesting. And I think um, like it's it would be difficult either way because at the end of the day, we're a partnership, so we couldn't do it. It wasn't like you can't do it. Like, do you know what I'm trying to say? It's yeah. more of a, yeah. something we need to work on together. No, absolutely. No, that's, that's really fascinating. So, what was it like on your and again please just tell us to pass if uh, it's something you don't want to answer but this is such a long and arduous process like Shane's just uh -huh. like your husband's is two minutes and they're done and it was well, enjoyable <laughs> I went three that one two time two minutes good for you right? no um, I'm just kidding but I mean like it is definitely more uh not not labor intensive but more difficult for the female but I I, you know Shane, I can't I, yeah I can't, I can't imagine sitting on a couch that you know that other men have been sitting on so i'm sure that's <laughs> challenging too <laughs> and if the reading material is not up to your you know standards <laughs> well iphones um, have come so far so it's good <laughs> this is true <laughs> um but i was curious about like how does that impact your everyday life or relationship like I, and I'm sure yeah. it's different for every couple, but is there a strain or is it because you, you know, there's I excitement that, there? Like, Yeah. Well, for us, there was kind of three, um, it was like three 
things we went through. So the first was the 15 months of trying to get pregnant. And I found that to be really difficult because they won't even refer you to a clinic until you've been trying for 12 months, at least our family doctor. So that's 12 months of, you know, every time your period's coming, you're like, oh, yeah, this could be it. I could be pregnant. Right. And then that disappointment of getting your period. And then so that's the one struggle that that is so hard you have. And then for me, the fertility testing, there was excitement in it because we were like, okay, we're one step closer. Like this could give us answers to something. And I also think I was, I was pretty naive. Like I thought, oh, they're just going to give me some magic pill. I'm going to go home. And then this is going to be, I'm going to, or they're going to give me a baby when I walk in the door. Like, oh, this is going to be easy. And then it was finding out that, you know, we did, the recommendation was IVF. And then it was going through IVF. So it was very three parted in a way yeah um and it did have a strain to an extent um but now like looking back at it it seems just like at the time yeah at the time you feel like you can't get through it but then afterwards you're like yep we got through it right it's just absolutely in a way now is this covered in canada or is this very costly so um there is like ontario has a fund um a provincial uh, fund. So we were lucky enough to get on a wait list. Um, if we wanted to right then and there, just pay out of our pocket, um, for the IVF procedure, it was $10,000. And then the drugs, if it not covered over under benefits is about five. I think every clinic is different, but that's the pricing for our, uh, our clinic. And what are the odds you pay the 10 grand? Do they guarantee you like a one in four chance or something like that? So they do give you uh, percentages. A lot of it has to do with the female's age. Um, so the older you are, the less likely it'll it'll work. Right. Um, but there's there's absolutely no guarantee. What were did they give you a rough like hey it's going to be thirty percent or did they even break it down like that for you or did you not? Yeah. So I don't I don't have it close. But we because we were both young, um, it was pretty high. Like we had a pretty good good chance. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's still always that X percent. Like I want to say it was 75% maybe. Nice. Um, but, but yeah, there's always still that 25% that lingers. And it worked the first time obviously, right? Yeah. So nice. I am extremely lucky and grateful and it kind of blows my mind when I think back to how it all played out. Um, yeah, we were really lucky. Like, and we have a basketball team frozen, ready to, <laughs> to try try for number two or three. That's but, awesome. Yeah, we were really, really lucky. Oh, man. Because I know it's not the case for everyone. No, in fact, I have, Um, it, it makes me think I have a, a friend who uh, has been trying. Um, and not only does she have to, you know, go through IVF and get her eggs out, but then her eggs have to be genetically tested for a specific disease yeah. that she has a carrier of. Uh, uh-huh. which is then a whole other load of money. And it's it's so difficult. And, I, you know, things don't always go through the first time. And then you have to go through another, get another group of eggs. And it is so I know. Difficult. And it's funny, you almost feel, like I almost sometimes feel a sense of guilt because how lucky we are that this worked out the way it did. Um, but then I think people also get pregnant so easily. Yeah. So... Like, how, why do I feel that guilt? But you do, you feel, it's just maybe empathy is a better word for it. Yeah. That's, that, absolutely. Um, and, you know, there's always different ways in which each couple has their own issues, whether it's through childbirth or something else. Um, but yeah. I, I'm so happy to hear 
that it worked out so well for you guys the first time and uh, I truly hope that it goes so well the second time um, yeah but that's amazing <laughs> and Shane doesn't know this but we're neighbors yes we are are we not like <laughs> what do you mean? we're like blocks away from each other we've we've never met um but we live a few blocks away from each other oh yeah wow that's so handy see yeah. around the neighborhood Oh yeah, exactly. Once, once the hot weather hits. <laughs> Absolutely, that's oh, very I cool. And after this uh, intimate conversation, I hope that you will have no problem shouting hi and coming to see what's up if you see us around. Oh, I would. <laughs> shouting hi, shouting I like that hi. expression. Hi. <laughs> yeah. But Heather, thank you so so much for taking our call. We really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, we, no problem. If you, you wanted to talk about IVF or anything, I I went through that too. <laughs> that could be fascinating. Yeah, another call for another day, but we love that. All right, thank you so much, and you yes. have a great night. Yeah, you too. Bye. Thanks. Bye. And I think we might even make that eight thirty reservation. I know. So. Um, IVF though, super interesting. Again, something I don't know a ton about. So she did IBF or IVF. IVF. In- What's IBF? IBF? Oh, I thought she said she did IBF too. No. What she What she end there saying? IVF. Oh, I thought we just talked about IVF. Yeah. No. the The fertilization testing is not IVF. IVF is when you take. So you have to check through fer- fertility. Didn't testing. she get pregnant through the turkey baster thing? That's IVF. Didn't she get pregnant through that method? Yeah. Oh, we just talked about that though. No, but the, what what that entails, because that's a crazy process. She's barely oh, scratched right, the surface. Right, I see what you're saying. Because we went into detail of the process yes. of uh, getting tested for uh, how fertile she was. Yes. We didn't get into the process of IVF, although we did discuss her getting IVF. Mm-hmm. I see. And I truly knew nothing about IVF until about a year ago when friends of ours were going through it. And then, even then, I only knew a little bit of information like I knew you had to take a needle and then you and I watched that uh movie do you know what that was called with the couple trying to have a baby oh sperminator that's not what it was oh, called. not that movie no uh that was with uh Giovanni no Paul Giamatti Paul G- yes there you go I helped <laughs> that was good Paul Giamatti yeah so he's in a movie where he and his partner are trying to get pregnant and they go through the process of IVF. You know, when he has to give her needles every day, her hormones are changing, and it's it's really awful. Amy Schumer is going through that right now, and she's being really open about it um, on Instagram, which I find has been really fascinating. Uh, like, I didn't and she know- has a kid, but she just, I guess she's past that threshold where it's very easy for her to get pregnant because I think she's in her early 40s. Well, she's, she was still trying, yeah. Um, but she also, I, th- I believe she has an illness too. Right. Um, which might make it harder as well. Um, but she's going through it and she has been posting pictures of all these bruises and things, which I didn't know happened. So it would be very interesting to get an idea of what that involves. Cause I, I, I do know that's a tough process. Uh, anyhow, getting back to the rest of our listener questions. Would you ever do IVF? If, if I had to, yeah. Cool. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, tips on getting baby to drink from a cup or even a bottle. My baby only wants to breastfeed. So I couldn't get Lucy to drink from a bottle until I had cut her off from breastfeeding until the weekend that we weaned. Um, and cups, she's always been grabbing at and always been interested in getting. Um, we started her off with a 360 cup. I forget who makes it, but it's where, you know, they could toss it and nothing will spill out and they can drink from any side of it. 
Uh, but it's very strange because those cups are somewhat complicated to drink out of. They even are complicated. F- even for me, it took me, and I'm not proud to admit this, <laughs> 10 minutes to figure out how to get the water out. Because I was like, it doesn't come out. I was like, where do I suck out of? And then I had to do it. Lucy had to show me how to work it. Well, and it was funny because the first time we gave it to her, remember, she had no interest in it. She was kind of like just like being like bam, bam and smacking against the floor. Uh, and then... Within two days, she was an absolute pro, and she just kind of, her interest peaked from there, I think. Yeah, she's very good at, with cups. Yeah. Most of the time, I just go, here's a cup, and she'll just drink out of it, like even in the very mm-hmm. early goings. And straws, I'm I'm not as big of a fan of. They make me so nervous that she's going to suck it back, and it's going to go down her throat. Not, not that for me. Like Ugh. Today, we gave her a straw, and she... She loves sucking up the liquid and then spitting it out. Yes, and flicking the straw when it's covered in milk or yeah. whatever. But anyway, that's not the question, and we're not very helpful here because Lucy has always had a great aptitude towards drinking out of a cup. But towards that cups. sippy cup was a great gateway cup. It, <laughs> a gateway cup, but it was it was helpful. Um, and again, with bottles, she was not interested until I weaned her, and now she takes a bottle so easily. She, she just loved it. your boobs so much, though. Yeah. She was fine with a bottle with me. Well, she, she yeah. But she'd, she'd turn it down knowing that I'd breastfeed Right, her. but that was a different issue. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just like she was no, bad with bottles. No, but I think bottles. that's the issue here, though, because um, the woman who messaged mm-hmm. me said that her kid only wants boob milk. Oh. So I think it's a similar issue. Um, but Lucy does love her bottle. I, I actually had somebody ask me recently, which kind of goes with this, when am I going to try to get Lucy off the bottle? Because their doctor was recommending that they get their kid off the bottle by like 12 or 13 months. Lucy is 19 months, and I have no problem with her using a bottle. I I don't know why it was being pushed on this one mother so hard, but doctors have never said to me, oh, cut out the bottle, cut out the bottle. Like, she can drink out of a cup. She knows how to use it. And she only takes the bottle before bedtime or a nap as a relaxation method, like Lala on Vanderpump Rules. Maybe there's some idiosyncratic reason that that doctor has for that particular child. Yeah, there could be. Anyway, next question. I noticed you switched your wallpaper from pineapples to flamingos. Was it easy to put up and take down? Uh, so we moved houses, which is so we didn't. We have not taken down any of this. Um, we, I, and I believe the new owners of our old home kept the pineapple. I think so. Yeah. I don't know what I'm basing that on. <laughs> well, I think you're basing it off the fact that you'd have to be crazy yeah. to take it down because it was the best. Um, but that we got from a website called Mural Design. And they basically take... Do they pronounce it that way? Mural. No, it's spelled with an E. M-U-R-A-L-E. Design. And it's French. Joke declined. <laughs> but they basically take any pattern you can find on the internet and turn it into wall vinyl for you. So wall vinyl is actually easier to put up, I think. I have never put anything up. We always hire people because I will royally F it up. But but you wanted to. I, I was I the one who to. said let's not. Yeah, and which was a smart way to go. Uh, but we hired somebody on like TaskRabbit. They put it up for us. Uh, and it looks great. He said it was easy. You just kind of put glue on the back, stick it up, and it comes in. So like for a 10-foot wall in length, it was three big sheets of vinyl that you put but- up. Your friend Veronica, who just had a child uh, this morning, yeah, her her and her husband put it up themselves, and they said they almost got a divorce because of it. Of course, it was in jest. They said that, but they good did memory. get in a legit fight over it. Good memory. I don't remember that conversation. That's so good that you remember that. Um, I would not be able to do it with you, I, I don't think. I'd be able to do it with somebody else. What do you mean? 
What? What do you, what's the Well, insult? just because I think we'd be at each other too quickly, maybe. I don't know. Um, and we both totally don't know what we're doing. So I think one person in the duo would need to be kind of handy. Fine, I'll take it. <laughs> um, but the cool thing about wall vinyl is that you can take it down and put it back up. So if we did want to bring that pineapple wall to our new house, we could have taken it down and brought it with us. And what do we think of that flamingo wall? It's not really photographing very well on it's the old blog. photographing horribly. It's You know what it is? So, like, my skin is white pink, and I blend in when you take photographs to the wall. And then if I want to try to make it brighter, I just – the wall and the skin – yeah. Go the, the pineapple wall was so great. Well, it makes me think we need a new wallpaper on that wall. We're going to remove the pineapples? The flamingos. Or whatever. The flamingos we're going to remove? We'll get the same crazy lady to do it who we hired but last time. Do we just do it over the flamingos? The flamingos are, they're raised. Like, it's a textured wallpaper. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if we'd be able to put it over. Right. But you hate the flamingos that much? I love the flamingos to go in there and look at them. Um, and as a backdrop, I really love it because I like pink. Flamingos are fun. They're cute. They're exotic. So it does make me happy. But it is so damn hard to photograph. And why have a wall like that unless you're throwing it on the gram? So true. it's a quandary. But um, that is not vinyl, the flamingos. They are a wallpaper. So we hired a woman, again, off of TaskRabbit to put it up. And I think she did it for like 100 bucks. The only thing was that she brought all three of her kids with her. So we had to supervise her kids in the backyard as she <laughs> as she put it up and she came out for cigarette breaks. Yeah, they were nice kids. I but she, she did a great job too. And so the I one kid loved Lucy. Yes. She did. Yeah, they were really good. What's the next question, though? The next question. Date ideas for us with our six-month-old. So this is a mom, dad, and their six-month-old baby. She said, we've done big trips and overnight stays. Just looking for something simple, something to do locally. Other than her weekly swim or grocery shopping, I find that it's hard for us all to get out together. Oh, so she wants to go with the child. With the, with the kids. So she said they're really good at getting a babysitter. Like, they have a lot of family that's helpful mm -hmm. if those two want to go out. Um, but it's really hard for them to find something that they can happily do with their kid. That's local, like not a big trip. Right. So Shane and I like popping Lou in the car and going for drives. Uh, we try to schedule the drives around nap time. But, like, mm -hmm. we'll make random, random trips. You know, we'll find a donut shop an hour and a half away from where we live. Stick Lou in the car, drive to yeah. the donut shop, eat it's donuts. It's interesting. Find what you like. Like if you love wine, yeah. look for the place that has this, the, some, someone rated the best wine in the county or whatever. And go for a day trip and go try the one glass of wine. The baby's going to like the, uh, the car ride. And they're usually at that age, if I remember Lou pretty correct. She was fine. She was in, so easy to take We around. could take her to dinners, anywhere. Or, like, we looked up best donuts in the city. And we love donuts, as probably everyone on earth does. So we drove, I think it was a, it's two and a half hour drive we yeah, for that donut. Long. And we, you had your first cronut. It was crazy. Yeah. And it was, it was the best donut we ever had. It was so so worth these it. little adventures are all spawned by me thinking of. By oh, you thinking of. Yeah, no, it's you. You maybe wanted the donut thing, or we, or we watched or a show that. I'm just saying, it. one of us will think of something, and then. Yeah, I'm only I'm using me as in. Yeah, yeah. I, I tend to Google what's the best thing yeah. in Ontario, and then I'll try to set out a little family mission to go 
do it. And the journey is just as important as the destination. And the destination is really important. Well, it's it's great. Like even thinking about the donut day, we had to pass through farmland and we're going in the summer. So we ended up stopping at like an alpaca farm. We bought Lou a cute alpaca sweater. She got to see some chickens, got to the donut shop. Then we went for a little hike around there. Like, oh, we ended up at a brewery that day too. Yeah. For a great meal. Like, it's lots of fun. Yeah, because when you're on an adventure, random things that aren't necessarily planned can happen. And you're always seeing a new city or new place or new county or whatever. And farms are great. Yeah, farms are the best. We love going to farms. Everyone loves petting a baby lamb. You can't argue with that. It's too happy. But, no, farms are an incredible thing to do. Um, They usually have good baked goods. You can walk around. We're big into, what are those, apple orchards? Yeah. Of course, it depends on the Mm -hmm. month. What, when it's freezing cold, what is the best thing to do, you think? I think that would be a good time for the donut mission. The donut mission would be good in the freezing yeah. cold. Um, what have we done? The fr- we Breweries go. are always good. Not sure if you're into beer. Wineries are good. But if you want something that that child's really going to enjoy, anywhere with animals, stupid little rides. But honestly, bring stuff for the kids. Like If you're planning to go to somewhere where you and your partner We'll have a good time, and the mm-hmm. kid is kind of iffy. Like, tonight we brought Lou to a fancy restaurant. Everywhere we go on our little weekend getaway right now, we are just packing a backpack full of crayons, coloring books, little toys, stuff like that. And then Lucy is happy as a clam, and she is just changing her play location every, you know, couple hours. So it's good. Um, we even like to walk around the mall. In the freezing cold winter, we go before it opens, and... Walk around. Then when it opens, you can stop for lunch, have a bite. We had the library. great. Oh, the art gallery is really good. Any art gallery, for that matter, like going in Hamilton where we live uh, or Toronto. A science center is really good. The science center was so much fun. Yeah, the kid. That's that's one that's pretty equitable for everyone in the family. Now that we're thinking on this, I'm thinking more things. Um, we went to a great aquarium recently too. Actually, Shane, I didn't go with you. I went with uh, our friend Danica um, and our babies, but. It would be great for the two of us. And, like, that's the kind of thing we did in Florida, you know, taking Lou to aquariums. And that's just a day trip. And it's it's such a good time. And if your baby has hair and you're at the science center, they always have that ball where you can put your hand on it and the hair stands up. And it'll just make a great photo for Instagram. Do you Instagram. think babies are allowed to do that? That would be amazing. I, I don't think it jolts a baby or anything. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> the baby's just terribly <laughs> Because, yeah, those things yeah. are made for kids mainly. Yeah. Um, Anywho, I think we, <coughs> we hit that one out of the park. I think we hit that one out of the park. And I also think, considering the circumstances, we have hit this podcast out of the park. It is freezing out. Or oh, are you done? Well, uh, sorry, babe. I don't have any more questions. Well, let's not admit that. Let's act like we just got to go to our reservation. <laughs> because this podcast is a bona fide hit. The, your Instagram account <laughs> is murdering it and we just can't get to anybody else and we have to go to our reservation Sorry, because we're busy. very kind. It's a rainstorm. It's uh, an ice storm. Yeah. So let's short. impress these people and we're actually going to get there 10 minutes early. So That's let's wonderful. go right now. Yeah. Uh, thank you for listening to This, this Family, Family Tree, Tree Podcast. Podcast. Episode 21. Boom.